I'm Jen Rice, and I've been a healthcare provider over 20 years. But I went from sick, burned out, overstressed, really over it all, to putting my own health first, gaining back control, and cutting through all the confusing and information out there on aging and wellness trends so that I could use the power of functional and integrative tools to heal myself and then help others do the same. I believe the perfect medicine is at the intersection of allopathic, functional, and integrative approaches. And I use my years in clinical practice and board certification in functional medicine to empower, inspire, and create conversation all around various topics that will hopefully be of value to you and those you love. This Functionally Fit podcast episode is brought to you by Love Your Gut Club, a membership platform that is designed to help heal and optimize your gut health. We know that when our guts are in humming along, the microbiome is in tune, that chronic disease doesn't stand as much of a chance, our immune systems are empowered, our allergies go down, and really our moods even improve. So if you'd like to learn more about Love Your Gut Club, go ahead and send me a message through this platform, or you can certainly go on the website at jenrice.podia.com, that's J-E-N-N-R-I-C-E.podia, P-O-D-I-A.com. I hope you enjoy this episode and take care. This episode is a outtake from a class that I taught earlier today. It is called the Six Essential tests in functional medicine that you should be getting done, but you probably aren't. Uh, And this is uh, an awesome topic that I think a lot of people were interested in hearing. So we went ahead and grabbed the recording so that we could package it to put it here on the podcast and for really anyone to hear the information. Um, Hopefully this is of value to you. The six essential lab tests we go deep into one of them definitely um, you know we we talk through all six but go really deep into one in particular which I think you'll find really helpful especially those of us who are going through any sort of um, you know hormonal changes uh, this one could really really hit home for you and if you are looking for more one-on-one attention you'd like to consult with me I am accepting new clients. If you'd like to send me a message, you can certainly reach out to me on social media or through the podcast, but um, enjoy the episode. I hope it's very helpful to you and take care. Hi, so today we are talking about six essential functional medicine tests that we think your doctor should be ordering or PA or nurse practitioner, um, but probably isn't. This would be, um, you know, this title is more to to catch that uh, primary care practices do not... um, 
They don't necessarily offer functional medicine testing. Of course, there's regular blood testing of, um, you know, the normal things, uh, white blood cell count, red blood cell count, platelets, um, cholesterol, but not even like detailed uh, particle cholesterol, which we'll get to that in just a second. But sort of, I call it like this gestalt, like you're not going to die anytime soon kind of blood work where um, we can, you know, do the best we can to catch anything that's really scary and worrisome. But, you know, for, for those of us that have found ourselves wanting to be more proactive in our health and catch things way before they become um, an issue or maybe we even feel like there's something deeper going on. I know for me, that's how I found functional medicine. I, I wasn't feeling well. I won't go into like my whole backstory of it, but really I had kind of like burned myself out emotionally, physically, work-wise, all the above. And my health was uh, not going as well as it once did because I was 45 years old instead of, you know, 25 or 35, where I guess I was compensating well. And so I knew I was either headed for multiple specialist visits with new prescription medications that would help me sleep, would help me, you know, lose weight, that would help me with depression, that would help me with my GERD and maybe I need like three medicines for all the gut problems I was having. And I, and I just felt like I, I might not be able to get there without going the pharmaceutical approach or, or, um, procedures, multiple procedures, multiple testing. We do test a lot, um, in conventional medicine, which is sometimes very necessary, but sometimes it's just reactive testing and it's kind of the way that we were all trained. Um, and it's not a bad thing. It's just maybe not the best thing either. All tests have risk versus benefit, especially if they're invasive testing. Uh, so at any rate, functional medicine, uh, someone had told me about it. I was like, I don't know, it sounds quacky, and I just sort of ignored it for so long, and I, I know that um, there was validity behind the people that were talking about it, like they had been, you know, really well-respected physicians, like for example, Mark Hyman, or, um, you know, some of the other doctors that were coming out in the forefront of talking about functional medicine, and I just, I think when you're ready to hear something, you're ready to hear it, right? And I was at a point where I knew I had to do something and look under more rocks if I was going to really fix my health and move forward in aging in the way that I wanted to. So up until this point, I had only gotten the regular standard, you know, prescriptions that, I mean, the regular standard blood prescriptions that, that you will be given at a primary care office just to make sure everything looks okay and nothing alarming is happening. And I didn't really know that there were these other tests that could be done. So I'm hoping that what this does for you today is share that there are other tests that can be done. And what these um, functional medicine tests really do is they help pinpoint specific problems and it also helps guide treatment. So if you're working with a functional medicine practitioner, a naturopathic doctor, 
Um, maybe you're even um, working with a primary care provider that's also functional because that's I'm seeing more and more of that. But this this can help them guide the best treatment for you and making certain decisions about um, not just uh, oh let's add extra supplements to make up for this lack in your body, but really complete lifestyle uh, changes perhaps. Uh, slowly changing things and, and coping with stress and, and a whole slew of things. So the problem with these tests though, because we want to give the um, pros and the cons. So the cons of these tests is that some of them are not covered by insurance. They're just not. They're not recognized as something that insurance plans want to cover. I think that those that time may be coming. I think that some labs can be You'd have to check if you have like an HSA, a health savings account, which we, um, you know, we have those in our, uh, in my work, but I don't, you know, not everyone has them. Can they be used to purchase labs? Probably. I haven't checked that far into it, but the general practitioner likely won't order these for you because they'll tell you that they're not justified because in the medical model that we've all been trained under, uh, those of us practicing as PAs, nurse practitioners, or physicians, and unless we've done specialized functional medicine training, we may just not even see the validity in doing these tests, um, and that can that can differ from practitioner to practitioner. And even if someone did say, "Oh, you know, uh, Tina, I really want to help you. I would love to order these for you." They wouldn't even know how to go about doing it because it's not like it's in a it's not in the medical record. Um, you know, we have these electronic medical records, and you can order lab testing. These aren't in there unless it's a specific functional you know practitioner. So that brings us back to yes, you can go get your own lab testing, and you know I I'm happy to guide you on what that kind of looks like with this class, but you also want to be sure that when you get those, um, there was a saying that I, that a lot of us get in PA school where, you know, why do the lab test if it's not going to change the outcome? And so you want to always look at like, am I doing this test to get a certain result that's going to actually be something that I can move forward with a change or is it just kind of like nice to know information? And I think if it's, um, if you're not really concerned and you don't have a lot of things going on or you're not trying to get to the root of a sleep problem, a fatigue problem, a hormone problem, and you feel pretty awesome, like I wouldn't do any of these. <laughs> like there's just, you don't need to, um, unless you're just curious in general, right? And you just wanna be, um, you know, more optimized. So that would be another reason to do it. So the first one, is probably one that you could get covered by insurance. In fact, I'm about 100% sure you could, is, you know, depending on your deductibles and all those kind of things. Um, thyroid testing and a full panel of thyroid testing. So oftentimes people will get a lab slip that is TSH, maybe a couple other values like a free T3, free T4, but then they'll get the practitioner will get back the results and it'll say that, oh, you have hypothyroid. So that means like you need to get a prescription that will help bring your thyroid up to a better functioning level. But oftentimes that uh, provider never ran auto, uh, the antibodies to see if this was an autoimmune thyroid condition. Um, if you see an endocrinologist, 
I believe they're pretty up on doing this all the time, but I would say that for, there was an extended amount, it's been a while since I've been in urgent care, but I never drew, with a loath, I never drew the auto, the antibodies. Maybe someone who's practicing currently, when you have a low thyroid, you automatically order antibodies. I don't think it's across the board. Um, I think it just depends on knowledge base and continuing education and, and all of that. So to shorten the part about the thyroid, because we want to jump to the next one, you can ask your practitioner to, to, if your thyroid levels come back abnormal, you can ask them to draw your thyroid antibodies. And I don't think you'd get a lot of pushback from that at all. And why would you care about that? Well, there was a great podcast I did. Um, I didn't make it great. The guest was really great, but she was, um, she helps people reverse Hashimoto's, uh, thyroiditis. And, uh, she talked a lot about how autoimmune thyroid conditions are missed all the time. And not only that, but she's helping women like literally everywhere across the globe reverse their, um, autoimmune thyroid condition with, lifestyle changes, work on the part of the client, right? Uh, work on the part of um, her and kind of to coming together and making these changes. But if you have an autoimmune condition that's attacking, you know, it's attacking the thyroid, there are ways to kind of un unwind that beyond just more and more medication. So jumping to the next one, and we can get together that way. Um, so no, that's good. So the next one is lipid particles. Um, all right, I didn't know anything about this either till I started um, learning more about functional medicine. And normally when you get your cholesterol checked, we come back with like triglycerides, total cholesterol, LDL, HDL. I confuse those still. I don't know all the best numbers you're supposed to have. It's not, it's not the kind of medicine I practice. I understand how to read like, okay, that's elevated. That's not, okay, that's great. But lipid particles are where it's at. Because there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of people that get placed on statins based on total cholesterol. And some statins cause quite a bit of side effects for people. Um, and everybody's so uniquely different. So I just want to quickly say that, um, and we can go into this. This could be like a whole talk on lipid particles. You can do an insulin resistance level. I think for women, it's really important for us to pay attention to our cardiovascular health. It is still like our number one killer. Um, is heart disease. Oftentimes you can get these advanced cardiac um, blood draws done under your insurance. And again, this is another one that most doctors, PAs, NPs you see in primary care would not be like, why do you want those done? You know, they would be like, oh, okay, great. Like, let's, yeah, you want this, um, we'll send it through and, and here's your lab slip. So those two, I think, are good to like kind of just put in your cap as like, okay, that's something I'm going to talk to my primary doctor about and something I can move forward with it. Now, the, the last, um, probably the, the next, the last four are ones that are more considered functional medicine, not really tested too much um, outside of maybe a functional medicine based practice. Although I think organic acid testing, um, you know, like urine metabolites, those are coming more around. You know, I do hear people tell me that work in primary care that 
They sometimes order blood work for nutrient levels, like micronutrient panels. And, and I do think some of this is, is, is around, but generally this is probably one to talk with, um, you know, another practitioner about or to, um, if you self order these, you would just then, you know, want to make sure that you're getting some input on what those results actually mean and how you would change, um, some of the things that you're doing. So I'm going to kind of leave organic acids out there and not go into that one deeply, um, and go next to, there is a new test that I'm really, um, kind of excited about. It's called the three by four genetics test. And this is not to, cause we always say genes don't make your, um, you know, th that's not your, necessarily your reality. Knowing, um, genetics can be helpful, but it can also be harmful. You know, you, by the way, you're living, eating, exercising, handling stress, you can really influence your genetics for sure. But what was really cool about this three by four genetics test, and I'm, I'm hoping that we'll highlight this one, one of the weeks, cause there's so much to this printout. It's actually is something that, you know, you could get yourself. It gives you like this, um, it's not like 23andMe where it's just, um, it, it, it's more health focused and it gives you like recommendations of things that you can do kind of immediately based on these, um, these results. So I'll go into that one again in a future week because we want to get really close to what we're here for and I'm getting close on only a few minutes uh, or 10 minutes left. So Number five is heavy metals testing. And this one I really, I order almost all the time with any new client because we need to know toxicity levels and heavy metals are so sneaky. I'm always surprised when I get, you know, when there's a result back and someone tells me, oh yeah, my aluminum's off it, off the charts. And we're like, gosh, why is that? And so we're thinking about all the ways that, you know, they were exposed or they, they are constantly exposed to aluminum or what's in their environment that's coming along. Or is it just that their body is not detoxing it? So remember that, um, there are, uh, two things that can be happening. They, one could be happening more than another, or they can both be happening at the same time where you may be having accumulation of heavy metals and you may be having a hard time removing not a heavy amount of metals, but a normal amount of exposure, but your body's just not removing it very well. So why is it important to even do heavy metals? It's, it's important because if you need detoxification, then that's something we want to do next. We want to do uh, a safe yet effective, slow detoxification of anything that maybe came up on your result that was you know, in the red instead of the green. Mercury is a really common one that can, that can show up for people depending on their, um, you know, sometimes fish consumption or other exposures. And then another one is the aluminum or tin. That's always, um, you know, kind of interesting to see. It's hard to say if that's coming from a cooking uh, place. But at any rate, I just really think heavy metal testing can be eye opening, especially if someone is suffering from uh, weight gain, 
unable to lose weight, has fatigue, all of that. So let's go to, because I have the 10 minutes here to talk about adrenal stress profile. And this is the cortisol um, stress hormone. Why do we even want to know about it? Well, if you're concerned about the effects of stress on your body and how to manage it, then something like an adrenal, and I prefer the salivary test, is really important because you want to see if your stress hormone is too high or too low. This can affect your sleep. It affects the sleep-wake cycle, so the circadian rhythm. And you might be saying, well, why can't I just get this tested by blood? I think that you know it's covered by insurance to do a blood testing. It, um, serum is bound in unbound hormones and saliva is unbound. So the hormones are often higher in serum than in saliva. And this is what can pose what we call like the HRT problem where hormone replacement therapy is done with a lot of um, blood work. I'm not saying that that those practitioners are wrong to do blood work. Um, You know, you're not wrong to be doing blood work for um, HRT, uh, hormone therapy replacement, but it's concerning because you could be getting unnecessary higher amounts of that exogenous hormone replacement therapy because you're being tested on the blood versus the saliva. So I'm just gonna repeat that. So why would I recommend saliva testing for hormones over serum? Blood, so blood serum testing, which is what's commonly done in allopathic medicine it's not wrong, but it's measuring bound and unbound hormones. And then you're gonna see a kind of a false higher value um, than, than, you know, it's, you're gonna see a higher value in the saliva than the serum. And so the serum is going, let's say the serum result says, oh, this patient needs more progesterone. And so then you give the patient more progesterone, but actually if you had tested the saliva, the the levels would have been good and they didn't need that extra hormone. So this is like a tricky, um, you know, we don't wanna maybe get buried in the details of this, but all the studies on saliva samples, when you're testing hormones and the adrenals, so we're talking about cortisol, we're talking about hormone, it's about 90% accurate. You take four samples in the mouth by saliva over a 24-hour period. And I placed a graph inside the um, group here of the testing wave. And so normally, um, a normal cortisol 24-hour, let's call call it a wave, is going to be like peaks up in the morning, and then gradually comes down throughout the day. And that's kind of following, like I was saying, our circadian rhythm. So let's say you do a swab and it's, your, your dots are falling like elevated outside this wave. And this is like an overall high pattern. So these, these overall high patterns um, can mean that you're just, you know, you're pushing out a lot, of, a lot of cortisol over time. And this can affect things, everything from mood to cravings to, 
to sleep to you know how much energy energy you have or don't have um, all of these kind of things another thing that can happen um, your wave might be stressed fatigued pattern so let's say the morning is high but then it just nose dives um, so you'll see like your dots are just shoom, they go down really fast and that falling off rapidly is this sort of what they call like a stress fatigue pattern and recommend that, um, you know, definitely it would be where you would implement lifestyle changes. Maybe there needs to be more intentional um, time for, you know, gentle exercise, relaxation, all of that kind of thing and better coping skills. Maybe you even have to put in some um, different uh mid-morning exercise in order to get those get that body moving again so this was interesting because i want to stop here for just a second to say i used to about three o'clock in the afternoon still happens to me um, i'm sure it's a cortisol thing and i have tested my own cortisol and i am in the um <laughs> overall low one which we'll go over that in a minute um, or I was when I did it a few years back. So when you get sleepy at three o'clock or two and you're like, oh, I could really take a nap. And if you feel like you slept, you know, a decent amount the night before, maybe you're even wearing like a wearable technology that says, oh, you have a, like a 90 or 80, 90% score on sleeping, but you're still like, I'm sleepy. I could take a nap. That could be the cortisol petering and doing like a mild activity instead of taking a nap and i love naps but it could kind of help your body to reset a bit so it's not like saying oh you got to go do like um you know a seven mile you know run somewhere no but maybe just that mid-morning to mid-afternoon boost of energy with a little little muscle building um or scheduling a time for a fun activity when you know that you're going to hit that slump at two or three. So that was, that was, I think, I think that could be super helpful when you find that out. Rebound cortisol is another thing where it goes up and down. It's not following any sort of normal pattern. And that one is, um, you know, you're, you're talking about making sure you're not skipping meals, maybe hydrating more, reducing the consumption of maybe certain carbohydrates or caffeines. And so Notice how though, so far I'm at like three of the five levels of what we're going to find in this study. We have not said you're going to take 16 supplements and everything's going to be better because that's not good medicine either. Not to say that certain supplementation with nutrients, um, you know, maybe perhaps there's certain things lacking in your diet. If maybe you avoid certain foods or meats or whatever it might be. But the prescription, we don't just switch medication prescriptions for supplement prescriptions. To me, that's, that's not good medicine either. What, what we're doing with functional medicine is finding out where the holes are so that we can begin to plug them with lifestyle modifications, stress reduction, and, you know, obviously movement community, all of these things, which you probably think, well, this sounds pretty simple. I agree. It sounds simple. It's in, in practice, though, it's not always easy. So then the last two, and then I want to open it up for any, any questions. Elevated evening. So if you say you do the 24-hour cortisol and it shows that, you know, the wave is supposed to do like the regular wave, um, 
you have like a you have a dot above where it should be low so it's like above where you should be petering out this is something that can promote wakefulness and this can be behind someone's need for sleeping pills let's say or um i've met tons of people over time that oh i have to take two benadryl to go to sleep oh uh, you know i can't sleep at all this may not be a sleep problem. This may be a cortisone, uh, a cortisol problem that can be fixed if we know that the adrenals are, are doing this at that time of day. So what would someone do that, that was having this elevated uh, cortisol? There's some, there's some hacks about, of course, we all know eliminating some caffeine closer to bed. Maybe you need a protein a uh, snack before bed so that you don't have a blood sugar drop. Maybe there needs to be more of a, a whole sleep hygiene regimen, but this is something that, you know, you can work on and can be worked through just like anything else. We invest time, money, energy into this is you, your body, your health. So five is, um, adrenal exhaustion. So this was my score. Um, there was a wave so the, like the wave goes up and then it goes down and that's a normal cortisol. But if you have dots all below the wave, that is, um, those symptoms are tired all the time, burned out feeling, allergies and chemical sensitivities, susceptibility to illness, irritability, food and sugar, like sugar, salt cravings, those kind of things, sleep disturbances, exhaustion. So when I tested myself, um, this has been, I think, two or three years ago now, um, before I really got a hold of my, you know, kind of like what my work schedule was going to be, how much, how much could I really see patients and keep my health well? You know, this was my result. And, and basically it says you, you have to really reduce stress and, the hard truth for me was that looked like seeing less patients in a week and figuring out um, how to better control stress. And yeah, those are those are hard decisions though, because nobody wants to be told or feel like you can't do the job that you were, maybe not can't, but shouldn't do the level of work that you've always been accustomed to doing. And um, kind of one of those hard truth things, but. Fortunately, I have interests outside of that too. And so it wasn't, um, you know, as, as much of a blow as it is. You just sort of then have to figure out how all those other pieces come together. But I am looking forward to retesting myself. Um, you know, part of me, it gets hesitant to retest because like, what you know, if it's still low, then it's like crap. But... <laughs> You know, what are you going to do? I think it's good to know. Um, I'm sure there's been some adjustments. I definitely don't feel the way I used to, but there's there's certainly room for improvement. So um, hopefully this has been helpful today. I'm going to um, turn off the recording.